WCC Weekly on the Gonzaga Nation Media Network. I'm your host, Dan Dickow, currently taking a look at each team in the WCC not named Gonzaga, giving you a little bit about what to expect from them this year, whether uh, what they need to replace from a season ago, what they've got coming back, some of the newcomers that could have an impact, as well as a quick look at their schedule and how that breaks down um, for good or bad opportunities. Uh, today, we're going to take a look at the Dons of San Francisco. USF broke a long streak that dates back to the 1990s of making it to the NCAA tournament a season ago. Played one of the best first-round games where, unfortunately, they lost in an 8-9 game against Murray State. The Dons were led a season ago by head coach Todd Golden, who is no longer there. He is at the University of Florida now. Chris Gerlifson has taken over, and if you're a Zag fan, you're going to be excited to know that a Zag has joined him on the bench. Former three-point sniper Kyle Bankhead has spent a number of years at different stops, now back on the West Coast at San Francisco as an assistant coach. But Chris Gerlifson has to figure out how do they replace a do-it-all guard in Jamari Bouye. The big thing, the biggest three things, or excuse me, the biggest three players that they have to replace from a season ago, Jamari Bouye, Yahoon Masalski, who was a in-conference transfer from USD, who was a big-time impact guy a season ago, and Patrick Depay on the interior. But when you look at Bouye first, um, with how Todd Golden played a season ago, where you really gave a lot of freedom to your guards, and you let them create space, take advantage of space, and shoot a lot of threes when they made almost 10 a game on the season uh, while holding their opponents to only five made threes, um, you had the perfect guy in Jamari Bouye to play that way. Um, and then you had the perfect tandem on the interior in Tape and Masalski to be good on the glass, uh, where they were plus five a game on the glass a season ago. And those guys, as well as Val Valdemir Markovetsky, um, kind of provided an interior presence that um, really gave some teams not named Gonzaga fits in the WCC a season ago. But when you now take a look at, you know, just how much do you miss or will you miss Jamari Bouye? Um, I think that's uh, a huge question right there because he did so many things. He was a primary ball handler who was asked to get them into offense. He was a primary ball handler who was asked to create for himself and for others. Uh, he was a good scorer, about 18 points a game or so, uh, but also about four or five rebounds, about four assists per game, uh, about two steals a game. So he's very active on both ends of the floor. Uh, he's going to have to be replaced. And when we talk about the newcomers, there's two guys that I think will help relieve uh, some of the pressure of not having Bouye on the roster this year. But the other two guys that are, are big losses are Yahoon Masalski and Patrick Tepe. They were both um, interior players who brought a physical presence and an experience level to San Francisco a season ago. That was so important because uh, Masalski started at USD, um, transferred within conference, and uh, he was a, as big a surprise as probably anybody in the league last year. Um, you know, he averaged uh, double-figure points. Uh, he averaged about eight rebounds a game, had a number of double-doubles, was very active, was very efficient, um, was very good last year. Uh, and then it was a two-headed attack on the interior. Patrick Tepay, uh wasn't much of a scorer, um, but physical on the interior, a defensive presence, was good guarding in pick and rolls, 
was good on the glass and, and was good challenging and, and protecting the rim. Um, so they're going to have to figure out ways to shore up the interior. The key pieces that are returning, um, you start with one of the best and quickest uh, and most creative guards in the WCC and Khalil Shabazz uh, flirted with being in the transfer portal or going somewhere else, flirted with the NBA draft. Uh, but all things said and done, he's back in San Francisco, um, poised and primed for another good year. He's he's n- maybe not the most efficient player. Well, I, I can actually say he is not the most efficient player, um, but he plays with a creativity. He plays with a buzz about him. He plays with a heart and a passion that really kind of impacts the game. And when you talk to Todd Golden a season ago and you ask him, you make comments similar to that or you ask him, he wouldn't have traded anything about Shabazz because he called him the heart and soul of what they did a season ago. And so, you know, sometimes the numbers and the efficiency and the analytics, even though Todd Golden was heavy on analytics, don't share the entire story. Um, So Shabazz is back. I expect him to have a really good season. Um, Other guys back uh, kind of a versatile three, maybe a four, depending on, on what the matchups look like. Um, Josh Coonan. I felt that, he is uh flash promises his first couple of years in San Francisco in the league. He's long. He seems to have a decent stroke from the three point line where you have to honor it. Um, he's active on the glass. He seems to have good instincts as far as um, on the defensive end, getting in the passing lanes as well as contesting shots. Um, does he put it all together this year? If he does, I think he's going to be a really nice, versatile kind of three, four piece uh, for San Francisco on the other side for the interior you got Coonan who's a real kind of that athlete you, you got a a plotter on the interior that's Valdemir Markovetsky started his career at university uh excuse me at Washington State transferred down to San Francisco um didn't play a ton of minutes last year but I thought when he when he got minutes he was effective and one of the reasons is is because he's so big and he doesn't shy away from using his size about seven three um He's not going to be great gardening and pick and rolls, but he's really going to take a lot of space in that paint, um, be physical, uh, be active on the glass and, and challenge shots around the rim. Uh, another interior player that um, does his best to bang, um, tries gives an effort there, but he's more of a, a stretch big, and that would be Zane Meeks. Meeks started in Nevada, um, had a couple good, really good games a, a season ago for San Francisco, but more of a pick and pop kind of big. He's really searching out opportunities at that three point line. Um, plays with a with an edge, plays with a with a passion, um, you know, and he can get under guys' skin a little bit. Um, at least in the, some of the games that I saw a, a season ago, the two biggest pieces for San Francisco, I, I think, that are going to determine whether or not they stay in the upper tier of, of the WCC uh, are there two guard transfers. Um, I thought, I think they got um, two good ones, um, but good in different ways. First one, Marcus Williams, the second one, Tyrell Roberts. Uh, we'll start with Tyrell Roberts. A season ago was at Washington state uh, after taking a year off. And the, before that a division two all American who shot in the upper 40% from the three point line. So it was a really good shooter. He's a little undersized, um, with with his size at 5'10", you would think he's a point guard, but he's really a two uh, who does a nice job of, of using his shiftiness, his ball handling ability to create space. Um, when when he gets it going, he can get it going. Uh, but he can also be streaky at times. 
Um, but when you have an attack that I would imagine is going to rely a lot on the three-point shot under Gerlifson like they did under Todd Golden, you want to have guys like that where they get going, just let them go. Let them find space. Let, let, them, let them see if they can find a heat check moment or two in a game. Uh, the other guard that I think has got a chance to really um, – you know, surprise a lot of people in college basketball, not just on the West Coast, but in college basketball is Marcus Williams. Two years ago as a freshman um, at Wyoming, he was tremendous. Uh, I'm talking, uh, had the ball in his hands, was making plays for himself, made plays for others. Uh, he had the trust of his head coach, Jeff Linder at the time. And then what always seems to happen many times in college basketball, you strike for greener pastures you think something better is out there and he put his name in the transfer portal after basically being handed the ball at wyoming he goes to texas a&m and, and doesn't see much playing time at all struggles actually um but so he's back uh i don't want to say down a level um you know but he's he's back in a place where it looks as if the coaching staff is going to trust and value uh, what he brings to the table and if he does that He's got a chance to be a really good player in the WCC for San Francisco this year. So um, a couple good, unique additions there. When you look at the non-conference for the Dons of San Francisco, when you look at the non-conference for USF, I thought one of the things that Todd Golden did, especially the last couple of years, was he was proactive um, with COVID and, and quickly finding games to play uh, with his strong emphasis on analytics finding games that might not be appealing to the average fan that looks at it but when you look at the breakdown analytically of their opponent if they come out with a win it looks really good and i think that's one of the reasons uh you know their their record a season ago of 24 and 10 10 and 6 in league you know six league losses wouldn't lead you to think they're going to make it neither do the 10 double digit losses on the season um, but when you look at the breakdown of the teams that they played a season ago, that's really what helped them uh, analytically. And I think that's no different than um, what Coach Gerlifson is going to try to keep going there is because when you look at their non-conference, they're still playing some pretty good teams and they're playing them some at home, some neutral sites, uh, some on the road, which is important to have a mix of all of those. Uh, they play at Fresno State. Mountain West team that should be in the, the upper tier, uh, upper half uh, of the Mountain West. They play at Davidson, who has typically been a really good team out of the Atlantic 10. Um, the Atlantic 10 usually has two, sometimes three teams in the NCAA tournament, and Davidson should challenge for uh, one of those spots this year. They play Utah State uh, at a neutral site game, but it's really a home game at the Chase Center. They're going to be at UNLV, a much improved program under Kevin Kruger, uh, on the road at UNLV, and then they play Arizona State at home. Interesting to see a Pac-12 team play at War Memorial Gym uh, at San Francisco as opposed to having to play in a bigger arena like the Chase Center or a neutral site game. Uh, I think that's awesome. When you look then at the conference, obviously you, your eye quickly shifts for – when do they play Gonzaga? Do they play them once or do they play Gonzaga twice? Uh, and the Dons will play Gonzaga twice. They will host Gonzaga in the first matchup on January 5th, and then they will return the game uh, February 9th at Gonzaga. Um, so all in all, you know, the Dons coming off a NCAA tournament appearance 
head coach Todd Golden heads to Florida. You've got to replace some big shoes in particular with Jamari Bouye, but then you get some nice pieces uh, in the transfer portal, such as Marcus Williams. You've got a new head coach in Chris Gerlifson, who has a lot of experience um, that is waiting, has waited to put his spin on some things. Uh, I think things are are set for San Francisco to have another nice year. Um, so it'll be, it'll be fun to track, fun to follow. So for the WCC weekly on the Gonzaga nation media network, thanks for listening. It's hard to believe college basketball is right around the corner.